What's up, everybody? Welcome into the latest edition of the Sean Salisbury Show. I'm Adam Sager. He is Sean Salisbury. It's almost football season. We got some college football this weekend, and the they call it week zero um, because there's not really any good games. But then we got some good ones the next weekend with Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oregon. Uh, I forgot who they're playing. Somebody really good. Uh, Oregon, Georgia, Georgia. That's right. So it, we we yep. got some good games that week, and and we'll get into those next week. But and then there's plenty of NFL news, and that's where I want to start is the NFL. Tom Brady, he's back at Bucks camp. It, this is something we hadn't really talked about because I was waiting till he got back to see how long he was gone and, and see right. what you know kind of impact you thought it could have. Well, now he's back. He returns yesterday to camp. Um, was out a while. What do you make of this whole situation? And and kind of, I know he's Tom Brady, but to just kind of like I'm gonna peace out for a week or a week and a half, and I'll be back. You guys have fun, play a game, and and you know <laughs> I I'm Tom Brady. I can do this. So, uh, what do you make of this? It's crazy. I I would assume that this is only. Because it's Tom Brady. Because right. other than that, I've got maybe Aaron Rodgers gets away with this. And I don't mean gets away with it in a negative part. Uh, I, Sags, when you've been to 10 Super Bowls, 1 7, and you got Tampa, their second Super Bowl championship, I would imagine that there's a little leeway to getting you come uh, when you decide you're going to come back and play out of retirement. That it's like, I've already scheduled whatever it is. At first, my worry was, and, and apparently that wasn't the case, was somebody's health, right? His mother's health or what have you. But I think they said this wasn't uh, urgent health related. Right. So my, my, and, and judging from what I've read, it's like when he had planned whatever he was going to do these two weeks or a week and a half or two weeks, whatever yeah. it's been that he wasn't going to back off from that, that that was already settled and wasn't going to be changed and, uh, uh, you know, agreed with the team. And here's why it's a plus and a negative. One is, the plus is I'm not worried about his fresh legs. Dan Fouts told me years ago there's only so many throws in the arm, right? So I think he'll be fine. The timing of it. Now, my concern more is can they get fully healthy on the offensive line? That concerns me more, Segs, going forward, because I think they're a Super Bowl caliber team. And I actually, if we were picking today, I, I got them in the NFC Championship game unless something changes in the next couple of weeks. So that's one. But for Brady, I'm not worried about the timing, but it, it's odd but it, whether it's family or maybe Segs, you know, he wanted to be there for his kids to go to school. I don't know what it is. Thank goodness it's not health. So, and I think I remember my rookie year, Kenny Easley, who was a great player. We he didn't practice but once a day, on two a days because Chuck Knox said we don't we don't need you now. And no players complained about it. Right? He was there. I wouldn't think that they're saying this is special treatment. And even if it is, oh well. You know, certain guys are going to get it. Superstar players in all sports are going to get LeBron and Brady if he wants. So I'm assuming it was just that he had some plan while he was retired and wasn't or couldn't change it. But I don't think he'll have a problem getting into the rhythm th- rhythm sakes because think about this. We still have two and a half weeks before they start. So mm-hmm. I'm not real worried about Brady's performance. I just want to make sure they're healthy up front. So no big deal for me. Yeah, you know, and I'll, I'll jump to that because that is something that you know, I had written down is the offensive line. They lose Stinney for the year. They, you know, they've lost uh, Kappa. He he left. And then um, what's his name? Retired. Ryan Jensen. Ryan uh, Jensen's. Well, uh, Ryan Jensen's well, hurt. Yeah, he year. got hurt and, and is out for the year. 
And then um, the or other at least for most part. of its sakes, I'm not yeah, sure how long, yeah, yeah. how long, right. The whole interior of their offensive line is gone. Basically is what yeah, I'm trying yeah, to say. And, and now they lost the another tackle. one. Yeah, we're talking about the tackle who retired this offseason. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm blanking I know, on his and name. I don't know why the name's me too, but who's been a, I think was a pro bowler last year, but uh, if I'm Allie not Marpet. mistaken, Marpet. Yeah, Marpet. Marpet. Right. There you go. That, that's exactly right. There was even speculation, well, is he going to come back, right? Now right, right. He's back. Try, right? try and bring but they, him they, they got to make sure that's sewn up. Right. Yeah, so, so when you look at this offensive line, you know, you've got Wirfs, who's a monster. He's very, very good. But it's a big time concern, and we know they have all the weapons. They have Evans, they have Godwin, they have Julio Jones now. They have the tight end, uh, Cameron Brait. There's just a lot of weapons there when it comes to it. And you know, we know the running back position is kind of—I don't want to say it's one where you can just kind of roll through guys, and but it kind of is if you do it, it right. Yeah. yeah, if you do it right. You don't need a Kristen McCaffrey or a Derrick Henry. Yeah, it's nice to have those guys, but you don't absolutely need it if you run your offense right. And having Tom Brady pretty much allows you to run your offense right. It's right. 98% of the time. So do you think this offensive line could be such a worry that you know it could maybe allow a New Orleans to creep up and, and really compete for the division? Or do you think it's just... It's a problem, but you know Tom Brady's dealt with a lot in his career, and they'll they'll right. get it figured out. I'm going to go with the second one, but it does concern me for a team that I think. Say, as I look around the NFC, who's better than them? Now the Cowboys are really good on paper, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got their defense stepped up, their offensive line's really good. Their offense should be at the top of the league in scoring. They should be, but uh, do you trust the head coach? Do you trust them? That's we've been saying. We seem to say this all the time, right? Yeah. Hell, and Pollard's, I mean, their depth at running back, one-two punch is really damn good. Especially, I mean, Pollard's explosive and Zeke's still there. So I I think, and I think, okay, Green Bay, but I I almost feel like Green Bay is going to have to take a step back from 13 wins, Segs, I do. And then you got the Rams, the comfort level, how Stafford's going to be throughout. You know, the comfort level of, and the, the to, to go back-to-back, back, you know how that's hard to do. Very so hard. really, in the NFC, who, who, who's the big threat? The truth of the matter is, if their line was fully healthy, to me, they're the heavy They're a heavy favorite to get back to the Super Bowl or at least the NFC Championship game, and they still are because Brady. I'm going to lean towards Segs that they still got good enough players, and because he's so good at pre-snap and getting the ball out. Now you know he's not going to extend many plays right. with his feet, but he's gotten pretty good at it the second half of his career. But the ball comes out, and he's so good at knowledge of coverage. I think it'll be fine, and if that means Max protecting two-man routes at times, so. I'm not overly worried about, but it, concerned, yes. Panicked, no. And I do think the one thing I know about New Orleans, they have a Super Bowl defense. They have a Super Bowl defense. So the question for me, and look at the weapons that they have in New Orleans offensively, defensively. Hell, they may even got better on both sides of the ball. Right. The question is, when it gets right down to nut cut time, Brady and Jameis Winston, you know that decision today. Now, hopefully Jameis elevates way. I, I think they're closer together than we think. I still think that they're the best team in the division. And I still think we'd be nuts to count Brady out and not to think that he's going to be at least in position to put himself in a either Super Bowl or an NFC championship game. Yeah, it seems like every year we have this question of something happens where we say, okay, this is the thing that's going to kind of knock Brady down. This is the thing that's going to hold him back a little bit and he's not going to be Tom Brady. And then they always figure it out. I mean, he's. He's basically his own offensive coordinator. Yes, he gets help from everywhere, and he's got great minds around him. But 
he figures things out. And that's the, the main thing. The best theory I saw of why he was gone was that he was on the masked singer. I don't know if you've ever watched the masked singer. I never have seen previews of it. I've yeah. never watched a, an event. But I, that I mean, was I never a watched theory, a full show. Yeah. That was a theory floating around that he I left that. camp to be the masked singer. Now that would be the last thing. I could see Tom Brady doing. Now I could see like Peyton Manning doing it because that's that's kind of how Peyton is. He likes to go have fun like that. And Tom Brady, I don't see him leaving football to go do the mass singer. Do you? And I could tell you this, no. But mm-hmm. I also know that when Manning was playing during camp, that grinder, hell no, he would. Right. I have a hard time with his competitive and the expectation, even when they're both Mount Rushmore guys, right? Yeah. I have a hard time seeing Manning go to a seat now. Manning with his humor off the field and Brady with his later in his career seemed to be having a little more fun on social media, a little more antagonistic and, and, and uh, trolling some people for fun. Right. But Segs looking at their competitiveness. I have a hard time. I mean, I put it in while they're different because Jordan's a lot more private than that, but I, could you see Jordan saying, I'm going to take now, I know he took stuff off for other reasons, but I'm talking about saying, you know, I think I'll just, I'll catch you guys. He's going to be there. Right. The, the the Larry Birds, the Jordans, the Bradys, the those guys just seem to show up because they demand from you what they demand from themselves. So now it may be true. Maybe Tom's got to the point where the, he talked to the team and they said, "Go ahead, but keep it private." Here's why I'm leaving. I already committed to this when I was retired, and I'm going to live up to it. But I just can't see him up because they said it was pre going into camp. They knew this was coming mm-hmm. down the pike, and since it's not health related. It's something that he had committed to. If it is, I'd have a hard time seeing those. Guys. Now, Manning now, hell, I could see Manning yeah. doing it now in his post career because he's hilarious. But, man, I you know, imagine going to Tom and saying, if you're a player, and saying, hey, man, I'm going to take two weeks off during training camp because I, I, I'm i going to go to the mass Singer. He'd look and he'd say, oh, man, really? Okay, cool. Why don't you just take those two weeks off and quit? Yeah, exactly. He would be now, going Brady's to, to Belichick right. or somebody being like, this right. guy's gone. Yeah, Guess again, bud. Right. right. Yeah, sure you are. Well, yeah, right. Yeah, thumbs up to you on that one. A-OK, you know? No. So I don't know if it's true. If it is, that just goes to show you all the pull he's got. I can guarantee, though, back in camp, regardless of the reason, you know he's coming guns a-blazing, my man. Yeah. And that A-OK to leave will be OK. A-OK, I'm back, right? So we'll see. Yeah, it's interesting something you just brought up of how we've seen Tom kind of I don't want to say mature or anything like that, but just how he's changed over the years. He went from this, you never really heard him. You know, he would do his little radio show there in Boston once a week. That's all you really heard him talk unless he had to speak to the media. And it was very short, kind of Belichick-esque. And right. now, you know, he left, went to Tampa and kind of lightened up. You know who it reminds me of a lot is like Tiger Woods. Now, yeah, the 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 off the field Drama was not there for yeah, Tom. different reasons. Yeah, right, he didn't have right. all that. But, you know, we've seen Tiger come back from injury and and off the course stuff. And he's come back and he's been more of a joy on the course. You know, everybody used to hate him. The players used to hate him because he was so hard on everybody. And that's kind of the, some of the stuff we heard about Tom. Well, now Tiger Woods out there, he's laughing with guys in the middle of rounds and he's enjoying himself. And those two just kind of just – not only are they the best in what they've ever done, their career arc has kind of been the same as well. Yeah, Segs, that's such a great point. And I actually like it because it almost feels like they came in, they took a sledgehammer to all of us, say, here's what I'm doing. 
I'm kicking your ass day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And when all said that, I'm not going to quit going after it, but in the twilight of my career, well, and since then Brady's been, the Rams beat him on a throw down the field on a blitz and he's won a Super Bowl. So it it ain't like he's been chopped liver. He's enjoying it. And Segs, it sums a point in time when you're like, okay, you've been grinding for 22 years, 20 years. And then the last couple, like, you know what? I'm still going to grind, but it's okay to put a smile on my face. I'm getting for, and Tom, we know there's 375 million Fox dollars waiting on oh, him. Yeah. So you start to transform your career into a little bit more public where you're easily or easier accessible and Tiger Woods, same uh-huh. way. And I'll tell you what, Segs, whatever the adversity is or the reasons you leave different for Woods than it is Brady that gets you to the point of finding joy a little bit. You know, Tiger lost his father and went through all his stuff. Tom's mom's been going through health issues. He Belichick, who I know he respects and loves, but it's a grinder. You know, whatever that thing is, it gets you to point and say, listen, man, I've done so much. I know it's going to come to an end at some point, meaning I got to do something else. So I've got to find joy in this, but also I've got to open up some doors to the other stuff I want to do because both of them are too young to, you know, maybe they stop their careers, but they're still going to golf course design and broadcasting, whatever it is. So I kind of like the transformation that they've taken on. But they made no mistake that they were going to make sure that the they they had one goal in mind. It's it, everything else. You know what great players say? You know this being a Chicago guy. You've seen from players on your Blackhawks. You saw it from Michael Jordan. And you, the, the, the great ones, Walter Payton, God rest his soul. They were selfish. And I don't mean that negative. They were selfish with their grind. Payton running hills. He set the standard for how you're <clears throat> supposed to train. Ask Jerry Rice, right? So they're, they're, they're single. I mean, they had. I mean, they know their priorities. They don't deviate. Some of us will say, I'm going to sleep in a little extra. Not those cats. They just did it different. And once they put that stamp on it, it's okay to have a little fun and relax. And especially, hell, Tiger wins at Augusta when he comes back. Tom, Tom Brady's dominate still 5,300 yards last year. So, hell, maybe they're both sitting there saying, hell, I should have laughed a little more when I was 24 right. and I wouldn't have as been, you know, got rid of some of that stress in. But I admire them both. But when you've done what they've done, you probably get a hall pass from people saying, okay, two weeks off a training camp for Tom, uh, you've earned it. Yeah. So for whatever reason. And so, and that kind of leads me into my next topic I want to talk about is preseason. You know, we talked about kind of what some guys did in week one and week two, we kind of saw some things, but you know, it kind of gets to the point where preseason's just kind of blah. You know, no one really cares to talk about preseason. Yeah. We got guys, analysts on there trying to break down, a quarterback and three passes and they're like, Oh yeah, this guy's taking the next step. I'm like, you saw three plays. Like I can't really, you know, we got to see so much more of a lot of these guys. And so my question to you is, you know, preseason, what do you like about it? What do you not like about it? Should there be preseason games? And, 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 you know, I know the money for the owners is the main sticking point. They want the, the concession stands and, and all that stuff coming in that, that revenue. But when you just look at the preseason overall, it feels like it's a very long time. Camp starts the end of July till, you know, now we're not starting till what September 11th, I think is the first full day of games. So there's just so much time in there and college, they don't do preseason. Now, yeah, they might do a cupcake schedule, but they don't do preseason games that don't count. What are your mindset when it comes to preseason now versus maybe like when you played? I, the, the, the preseason games validated what they'd seen from me. I'll, I'm going to speak for myself because mm-hmm. I was that guy that needed preseason to prove right. to them 
because coming off two injuries in college and thinking you're going to get drafted and don't, I needed to show we had six quarterbacks in camp segs. I had, I had to have a monster preseason my rookie year to make it. Fortunately, I played 10 years, but I, and I did, but the majority of the day, every day in practice, I elevate, I got better every day and I elevated in front of them. So when they put me in the game, it was just validation. Okay. Guy played at USC. He's practiced well. We see him in the meeting rooms. What's it going to be like? And I played, I was fortunate to play well in preseason, right? And we had, you know, at that point in time, the, the dual practices are starting to come about, right? And then later on, if we'd have had those, I, I would have never cared about preseason games because that free agent, some of these guys, think about some of the great players we have that if it wasn't for the way they performed during preseason, they wouldn't have made a roster yet. Everybody assumes it's the 12 plays they made that they played in in a game. The truth of the matter is, is it, it all the practice time allowed them for a coach to go and say, okay, let me see what you got. Go validate it. Now, if you're saying, would I rather have a practice field All-American or a gamer? I'll take the gamer any day right. of the week, right? That, that, but now when you get both, you make it. So I needed it. But I've evolved also, Sigs, just like everything else. I would rather have joint practices and then put our game plans in. I mean, do that two or three or four practices against the team. We're eventually going to get to two preseason games and 18 games. And if you told the owners, well, we'll play 20 regular season games and no preseason games, I'm sure they'd say, cool, as long as the players got to say, well, that's 20 checks, not prorated from 16 right. to 17 to 20, but we get paid for 20 games prorated out where if I'm making 20 million, whatever my weekly salary is for those extra games. So that's where the money comes in. But you're right. That's why they don't go away with preseason. So for me, I'll ask you a question, and this will answer. If you're saying, Sean, would you rather have dual practices and practice and get going like college and like whether you're open against a team that's not very good, by week three, we don't even remember they didn't have preseason. They went to training camp, went and played. Right. So, you know, they're scrimmaging against each other. So I'm okay with that. I do understand this. It's, it's the late-round draft pick or free agent that that's his time to shine. But, see, Sags, for instance, what are you going to learn about fields in game three before September starts? Not a damn thing. Right, well, and that's the thing. Now none of these guys are even playing. Like, and that's right. you know that's where we're the starters. They play if they play, it's five snaps. It, it, and it's like, okay, I get going through the dress rehearsal and kind of getting through the motions of pregame and stuff. But I, I don't even want that. Don't give me five. Just go do the pregame stuff and don't go out on the field. Right. And sakes, and here in Houston, Lovey Smith, former Bear guy. Mm -hmm. See, Lovey doesn't do joint practices. Doesn't right. believe in them. They haven't had one. And the other part of it is Lovey, they're going to play more extended now. Now, when I was playing, David Craig and I split the last game against the 49ers in the preseason, a half and a half. And David Craig's one of the most underrated players of all time, but he got more working preseason game four. So, but, but we've evolved. It's like, I don't need David Craig playing a preseason game four. That guy's a monster during the season. Right. And so for me, with Lovey wanting to play more for me, here's how I'd go about this. If you think you need to see more of your guys. I just play by if we go three series and we're kicking ass, get them out. I feel good. Mm -hmm. I don't need it anymore. If they're playing poorly, wait till they have a good series and then get them out. I just, I'm not going to learn anything more about Davis Mills on Thursday night against the 49ers or Trey Lance than I already know. When I am going to learn about them is when September and October kicking. So I don't really care if my quarterback, if, if Fields were to play and go 20 to 25, Sigs, he ain't arrived yet. Right. And if he were to go 2 of 17, I ain't burying him. It's a preseason. We're, we're experimenting. There's more coverages and all that. So I, I, I've i changed over the years. I'm not – I don't watch much preseason games. But 
you're making the team on the front. Th- these teams already know. I'm just telling you who they're keeping other than maybe one or two guys that are like, well, let's see if he decides to show up and play his ass off and give me the energy I need for a special teams or exactly. backup linebacker. Other than that, they know. So I'm not learning. Uh, we don't game plan for teams in the preseason, none of that. So for me, Segs, uh, the games, and you're right, what good is it doing, honestly? Well, let's run out there and play five plays. Now here's the catch. If we could start move the season up a little bit, because now we're going to have two and a half weeks from Thursday, like the Texans, for instance. Yeah. They're not going to play for two and a half weeks. So I do get it's like the bye week in the regular season. At the end, when you've clinched, right, Segs, you got home field advantage, you're the one seed. You don't play in the last game of the season. You don't play in the in the wild card round. And then here we are. You haven't played in three weeks, which is the length of training camp. I get that where you want to get him some playing mm-hmm. time. I don't like that much time off. So I get so you put him in a bad way. I got two and a half weeks for, for a team on a, who plays on a Thursday before they tee it up. And I don't want him to be away from competition. And we can't go beat each other up on the practice field the next two weeks because we're getting ready to play. Yet you still want him to be competitive. So that's where the problem is, the gap between now and the opening day of the season with that extra bye week leading into training camp and leading or leaving training camp and going into the regular season. So, But the truth is I'm not learning a damn thing about my team, honest to God. I, I'm just not uh, on the third preseason game, whether they play a lot or play a little. And seven snaps isn't giving me – isn't doing shit for me, pardon my French. Uh, 12 snaps, I'm not learning anything about my team. So you know who it's more for? The bubble guy at the very end and the coaches to feel good about their players going in. Because not one player you and I know is going to go if he had a bad game or a good game thinking – Cool, man. Two weeks. I'm going to be great because I threw for two touchdowns in my last preseason game. They don't think that. Then your mind shifts into, oh, hell, the real stuff's flying. It's a different level now. Now, I I can do without the preseason games, especially this type of situation where I'm not learning anything. Yeah, it's just one of those situations where it's hard to judge exactly. You know, every coach feels different. And and that's where, you know, some coaches don't want these guys to play a snap. And some, like Levy, want them to play more and more. And and, you know, as it used to be in the third preseason game, you played a half. It was pretty much kind of the thought across right. the league. Now it's not that anymore, and, and it's crazy. If, if you're the head coach, Segs, if you're, if, if you're in Buffalo, you, you, you playing Stephon Diggs this week? No. If you're, if, you're, if, you're the, uh, if you're in Kansas City, are you playing Kelsey? Not a chance. Right. So if, if, if I'm the Texans, why the hell am I running Laramie Tunsil out there who's been banged up at times anyway? Why would I run my best player at that position out there? Yeah. I, I just, and I get it, but if you and I were running a team, I would look this third. I would keep Der- – Derrick Henry wouldn't put a uniform on. Right. Yeah, I, he wouldn't touch – Matt Ryan wouldn't throw one pass if I'm in I wouldn't want them st- on the sidelines with a chance of a running back run, <laughs> running yes. through and taking – Sit your ass yeah. up and go get a hot dog in the stands with Ursay, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. I'm with your owner. I'm with you 100%. Uh, one thing we did see this past week in the NFL preseason, I want to get your take on if it was a dirty hit or not. I don't know if you saw the hit on Kayvon Thibodeau, the one from Tad Moss it. comes across, you know, and we see it multiple times every single game. And Moss comes across and cut blocks them. And, you know, we've got big time analysts that say it's a very dirty play. And then we got other big time analysts that say, no, this is taught. This is how it's supposed to be done. And the defenders are taught how to do it. And Kayvon Thibodeau didn't do it the right way. So I just want to get your take on he hurt, but not bad. And it sounds like he'll be back for the opener, Kayvon Thibodeau, that is. 
I'm going to make this very crisp and simple. I understand people's opinion. You're concerned about the preseason. Right. If that happened in game one, there wouldn't be a soul alive who'd be saying negative thing about it. Not one. Okay. And I understand you look at these analysts, the hot take stuff. If Do I believe when I saw one say it was a coward move? Moss is trying to make a team and contribute. Kayvon Thibodeau, who I respect, I think he's going to be a good player. And I don't want I, – I, coming from a guy who's blown out two knees mm-hmm. I, and had to play, I, I get it. He's going to have to use his hands better and learn how to push right. the guy down and keep exactly. him off his legs. He got to see him coming. He, he looked in the backfield, then looked at him. The guy, listen, Sags, when we run that play where you seal off the backside and trap it so a guy can come inside, or if it was bootleg away for the quarterback, we, we, we do that a thousand times a year in football. It happened in the preseason, so now it's three. Well, Bush League, a guy going, he wasn't trying to hurt him. He started at the thigh pad and went down lower to seal him off. Think about this. What happens when you got a 180-pound back taking on Roquan Smith on a blitz? If he goes high, he's gonna he's gonna humiliate, he's gonna get his ass kicked. Yeah. And the coach that's watching Moss comes in the film room the next day and says, You I guess you don't want to play for this team, huh? You're not gonna go block what we've worked on every friggin' day in practice on this particular play. It's unfortunate. It's a violent sport. You don't want anybody to get hurt, but you know what? It does happen. And it's a bummer. Now, if you tell me let's get rid of cut blocks in preseason, and please understand the difference, folks, in a chop block and a cut block. Right. And if you don't know, quit talking about it. Google it or look, go on my Twitter. A cut block is what you saw in your A loud. Now, you can't do it from behind or that's a clip you're not allowed to do. You got to see him and hit him in front and cut him off side. Get your head in front. A chop block is when I engage Sigs at the top and somebody comes and takes my legs out from under me while I'm engaged. That's a chop block, illegal, and that is Bush League. Yes. That's a chicken shit move. If you yep. completely. So, with that, no, it wasn't dirty. No, it wasn't cowardice. Was it unfortunate? Absolutely. Do I believe he dove at his legs trying to hurt him? Absolutely not. Do I think he has a job to do? I do, and we teach it. So if you're going to tell me, and it's unfortunate, I don't want Thibodeau hurt. Who the hell does? But he's going to learn a lesson next time somebody comes at his legs. Dude, Sags, we used to play Richard Dent when I was in Minnesota, and Big Rich is a friggin' hell of a good dude. We would go into games saying, whatever you do, don't block Richard at the – don't cut him (laughs) – because when he comes into a game, sometimes Richard, you know, he just taking a second to get in. Yes. He's a Hall of Famer, but and we and somebody inevitably a smaller guy would cut him. And about middle of the first quarter, Richard, all of a sudden those eyes, he'd be like, "Oh hell!" Yep. And then he'd go get three sacks and take over the game. And you're like, "Dude, suffer your embarrassment. Let him whoop your ass yeah. if you go up, but don't don't cut him." But you 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 got that's that's called football, and it's unfortunate. But if you're gonna tell me you want it outlawed completely. Guess what I'm going to tell you? Then I don't want you to be able to tackle below the waist. See, because so if the strong safety's coming down, flying his ass off in a preseason, trying to make a team, and let's say Derrick Henry gets one of his three carries if he gets one, and that big fella, if you go to chest up with him, you're going to lose most of the time, right? That's 255 yards of pounds coming downhill. So what do you do? You go to his leg. So this guy's flying, and he dives at his thigh pads or his ankles. He can do that from behind or in front, mm-hmm. tackles him up. If he turns his ankle and is out four to six weeks, are we going to outlaw tackles below the waist? What about the receiver who goes over the middle to make a catch, and those guys are flying and hit him in the thigh pads or in the calf muscle? Oh, well, that's just defense. No. If you're going to tell me one's not football, then do me a favor and don't tell me the other one is football. They're both football. It's a violent game, not a physical game. It's violent, and it's unfortunate. Now, if the guy all of a sudden goes like this and drops down and hits and crawls into him 
different story. It's what we are taught to do. So, no, it wasn't Bush League. It wasn't cowardice. And I think it's a, a lazy narrative just because you saw it in a preseason game. If you saw it a week later, a thousand times a year you see that, and nobody gets hurt. It was unfortunate, and I don't believe it was dirty. It sure as hell wasn't cowardice. If you want to get it out of football, fine. But if you want it out of football, then I'm taking tackling below the waist out of football too. Yeah, it, it was just – it was kind of shocking to me the amount of, you know – big time play or analysts that, that were out here calling for this, you know, Moss's head. Like they wanted him suspended. Oh, they wanted him fined and, yeah. and all this stuff. And it's just like the mistake was made on Kayvon Thibodeau's part. You know, every, everybody, you know, if, if you follow football, you know, you were supposed to hands on them, push down and hop kind of backwards to, to protect your legs. He did none of that. He tried to take them on, when he was low and, and and that's just a young player that still needs to learn first pick or not with that play as an outside rush in or linebacker, you know, what you're always thinking that guy's coming to cut me because he can't handle me face to face. unless it's a right. big tight end like Gronk or something, right. Who can get in front of you and hold the pile. I mean, hold the point of attack and then let you cut off him or bootleg away. I get it. But to, well, you're going to miss some of these guys can't handle Thibodeau's great athleticism. Right. Uh, and like I said, how am I supposed to tell my running back if I'm in the gun and the wheel linebacker in the offside four week coming, he's got to block the, let's say he blocks a strong safety or has to block the wheel and the guy's coming and you've got to step up and greet an A gap blitz. You got to greet, greet the will or the Mike linebacker. Mm-hmm. He's going to destroy him. It's a major mismatch. So we can't do that. Just like Derek Henry's a major mismatch for you and I, if I try to go up top, how many gifts are out there of him treating somebody like a, I mean, just like they're a rag doll yeah. throwing them around. So they go at his legs. What's the difference? It's football. You try not to be cheap. You don't want anybody hurt. Hence again, why if you had great football <coughs> going on with a whistle, you could blow like in joint practices. Yeah. We wouldn't see that. Exactly. At least, you know, it's coming. Hey, we're cracked back. Okay. Boom. Here it comes. Stay off his legs. You can let him know. Stay off. Like it's game guys trying to make a team. There isn't anything about it that was illegal or dirty. Yeah, it, that's uh, um, it, just one of those things. And we're, we'll see that play plus other ones that some deem dirty, some deem, right. oh, that's Defensive just Defensive players hate it. Yeah. And Defensive players hate it. Offensive players are saying it's been a part of football, just like it exactly. would be reversed exactly. when we see it the other way. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then switching over to college, we had uh, some breaking news that came out right before we did this. Nick Saban signs an extension through 2030 at the University of Alabama. Eight years, $93.6 million. I think I think someone said it's like $11.7 million or something per year. And Nick Saban, I actually just saw it this morning before this all came out. He had just hit, or he was hitting this year, going to hit $100 million made at Alabama. That doesn't count Miami Dolphins. That doesn't count LSU or Michigan State or everywhere. Yeah, everywhere else he's been. Just $100 million at Alabama. And now he's tacked on another eight years for almost $94 million. Just insane. And then you know the SEC. Everybody probably outside of Georgia was just like, damn it. Like, we thought maybe he'd retire. Yep. Why would he retire? Happy building houses when they win championships for people who need them. Seggs, didn't Kirby Smart get an extension about three weeks ago? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Right? A big one. Yeah. A big one. Did, and I made him either the first or highest paid, second highest paid coach in the league, right? Yeah. I'd have in to college football, I mean. 
and, and I can't remember what it was. And I can remember on my morning show, I told my co-host, I said, you know what's going to happen? I said, that, you know how long that's going to last? Oh, but by the time season starts, Nick Saban will have a new one, and it'll exceed that one. Right. Because Sigs, there may even be an escalator in his contract. Maybe. I, I'm, I'm just pontificating here. That says if somebody passes you up, we got to readjust that. You know, I've seen those, the escalator yeah, the it's bypasses. A, so Kirby Smart signed a 10-year, $112.5 million, so $11.25 million. So Saban, you know, of course, one up. He, he can't be beat by one of his former coaches. That's exactly he, he's right. He's got one so up. I knew it was and, coming. Yeah, and get a half right. a million dollars more. And Of you know, course. Good, I, I say that might him. be an escalator, too. Right. Could be. And if all of a sudden somebody – yeah, I'm, I, I'm not saying it is, but there's a part of me that believes that that, oh, if he jumps up, uh, boom, if you finish here in the bonuses – and you know what, Sags? I don't have a problem with it. He's worth every penny. Right. Every oh, yeah. He's worth penny. more. <laughs> every freaking penny. That's right. I mean, He's probably it, underpaid. You're yeah, exactly right. And like I said in one of the previous shows, how good he is is you can just pencil Alabama in at number one every single year in the preseason, and you really can't argue it. You're never going to say, like, oh, this Nick Saban team is not it. Like, they're probably 10th. Like, that's not going to be said. Yeah, you're going to have some argument from Ohio State and Georgia and Clemson fans every year that say, no, we're the best team. But we all know to begin a year, it's Alabama, and you got to beat Alabama. Sometimes teams do, sometimes they don't. So it's kind of just like it was with New England. We knew every year it was New England. And if you beat them, okay, good for you that year. But next year, you got to beat them again because they're going to be the best. They get beat by Georgia in the title game, right? Right. The last year. <laughs> and everybody, Nick Saban, oh, yeah, we were in a rebuilding year last year. What? Yeah, no. Right. And they finish and they get beaten the national title right. game. So you are exactly right. If you put it this way, if you pencil them in in the, in the one or one hole, you're not going to be humiliated right. by doing it. And people say, you out of your mind, they're the 21st best team in the country. That's the Nick Saban effect. And while the Saban effect exists, but the effect isn't more pub, it's more he'll always have his team ready to play. You're 100% correct. Something else I saw interesting real quick before we get out of here. Urban Meyer is going to be on Fox, you know, like he is as an analyst. His two offensive coordinators from his national championship teams at Ohio State and then the one at Florida. Dan Mullen, I believe, is going to be on the SEC Network or ESPN. I can't remember, but kind of tag teaming them. And then Tom Herman's going to be on CBS. So all three of those coaches who we all thought had, you know, Urban Meyer had a great career and Mullen and Herman had decent careers, but we thought those were the two up and coming guys that were going to take, you know, that next step and be the next offensive masterminds. And they did, they got paid. They went to Texas, Mississippi state, back to Florida for Mullen. Um, And it's just interesting that those three guys, we know why urban urban is not like he's passed with all the shit he's done and pulled and said, and I don't think he's back coaching anytime. But the other two, surprising. Yeah, and I could tell you this, though. <laughs> Dan Mullen and Tom Herman don't plan on being in TV for a long time. No. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is that, oh, let me do this bridge for a little bit and get and help people realize that I'm actually a pretty good coach. But at Florida and at Texas, while both of them, no offense, they didn't elevate and win a national title or put their teams in position. Hence why they're not there. Doesn't mean they're not good coaches. It just didn't work long-term like they expected. And with the end result, so you go get Billy Napier and Steve Sarkeesian, and guess what? 
four years from now or three years from now, if it doesn't work and they're not in the final four, guess what's going to happen? They're going to find themselves new coaches as well and somebody on TV well. But for Mullen and Herman, they want to get back. And I don't know if Urban Meyer is ever going to get a chance to coach again. Real quick, do you think Tom Herman wishes he would have just stayed at Ohio State those last few years and probably gotten that job over Ryan Day? Not probably. He, he, he would have yeah, had it. Because Ryan was Day was behind guy. him. He was- yeah. So, I mean, do you think there's a little bit of buyer's remorse? I mean, I know he went and got paid at Texas and he got paid to go away when he was let go. And, but you could be at Ohio state where you were winning. You won a national title as an OC and we know the recruits just fly through there. And he was the hottest commodity on going after that three quarterback run where all of them played well and they win a national title. Oh yeah. I don't know how big the regret is because the wallet got thick. And I, we, I've interviewed mm-hmm. Tom. You know, we were together, yeah. interviewed Tom a bunch. I like him. But what happened, and they call it their dream job when they go, you know, whether it's Florida for Dan or whether it's, you know, Texas for for uh, for Tom Herman. But, yeah, not that Ryan – now, Ryan Day is taking him to another level, too. He's been great. But there's, there's no doubt in my mind that if you said do it over again in private, uh, tell people how you feel, yeah, I probably should have stayed at Ohio State. But, hell, it's Texas. That's a program yeah. everybody wants to coach. I get it. But remember, in order to be a head coach, he had to stop over at University of Houston first. Right. Yep. So you start to think, and he did a good job at Houston. So, yeah, if the Ohio State job came back up, he said, can I, can I do it over again? Oh, yeah, he, he, he's staying in, that, in, in, that, uh, in those colors and right there in Columbus, and rightfully so. I yeah. get it. They had better players than Texas has had over the last decade. Yeah. They just have. Yep. Better players, better it, developed. Uh, it's an interesting thing. The coaching carousel in college football is always fascinating because guys are leaving, Unreal. moving, and you never know what's going to happen except for Nick Saban at Alabama. That's and it. the and the money is so big now. Oh, they huge. don't have to go to college. They, they, they go to they, they don't I mean they don't have to leave college to go to the pros. Right. They're making as much money as they would coach in the NFL. Why the hell would you leave Alabama, Ohio State, ego? Well, your ego is going to be big enough because everybody knows how good Ryan Day and Saban and ba- Dabo and and uh, Kirby Smart are right now. I wouldn't leave either if I was Yeah. There. Yep. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Sean Salisbury Show on the Believe Network. Thanks, Sean. We will uh, talk to you later this week. Can't wait. Appreciate it, Segs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.